we thank you this morning um, for your redeeming love to us, the story of your power and your love in our lives gives us the chance to share our story. We thank you for being the hand that guides us and leads us. And as we reflect on you, um, we have hope. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, Lisa is going to start us out. Um, Lisa, it's all yours. Thank you. Good morning. I'm going to start with some prayer. I'm going to move this too. Father, thank you for this morning and this time to, this opportunity to share. And I pray, Lord, um, your story is told uh, today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're, we're going to be talking about um, stories today, our stories. And um, so I wanted to start off with telling a bit of my story. Um, I remember the first time I said I love you to my parents. I was an adult. I know. Um, and it genuinely felt like a foreign language because I did not grow up hearing I love you. We did not speak it to each other. And I, don't, I think part of it is cultural, um, but I think my parents were also part of, they were children of the Vietnam War. And, it was just a different time for them. And so I didn't hear those words growing up. There wasn't a whole lot of affection and affirmation growing up as, as well, um, especially from my dad. Sometimes my mom would give us a hug if we were really sad or if we were really hurt, she would give us a hug. And that was like in elementary. Once I got older, I don't remember physical affection like that. She would occasionally kiss our feet, sniff kiss, not kiss, but sniff kiss our feet which is, I think Helen might be the only one who understands a sniff kiss, do you know? Yep, see? Uh, so she would sniff kiss our feet at night in bed, which is probably why I have my whole clean feet complex that I need. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I just didn't hear a whole lot of it, but they were, they definitely showed love in different ways. They are acts of service people. My mom cooked all the time and that was her, method of showing love, and I think food is very much part of Asian culture, and eat more, eat more, and then they'll talk about your weight, but they'll tell you to eat more. Um, there's a whole lot of, you know, we gotta work through a whole lot after, you know, once we come to Jesus. But anyway, so I didn't realize how important and how much I needed those words of affirmation and the affection, particularly from my father, until I was married. And I had time to kind of think back on my youth and um, all the great choices I made as a child, uh, or I guess like a young woman. So I did not enter into a relationship with God until I was 22, right after uh, college. I lost my virginity in high school. Mothers, please talk to your daughters about sex at an early age. Um, so I lost my virginity in high school. Um, I had no like morals. My parents didn't talk to me about those things. 
Um, it was just all, I mean, I, it was forbidden, basically. Dating was forbidden, which became even more like, ooh, well, why is it forbidden? And so I did not, I don't know why, I never learned. Heartbreak after heartbreak, guy after guy. I kept thinking if I just gave all of myself, they would love me. And, um, and so it went on this way for about six years, maybe, um, until 2003 when I met someone who simultaneously told me about God and also cheated on his girlfriend with me. Oh, great. Um, but his girlfriend was probably like the sweetest. She was a pastor's daughter. I know. And she like wanted to wait till she was married to have sex and like all these things. And so here walked in, Lisa Nguyen. No direction, no morals. And I was like, well, I mean, you want to hang out? We'll hang out. And so sure enough, I became the adulteress or whatever. And so I had already at that point, uh, I was almost close to graduating college. And I knew that I was moving to Baltimore to live with my sister um, to learn how to be an adult, a bachelorette, whatever. And um, so I had already purchased my one-way ticket. Uh, we hung out. This guy and I snuck around for two months. And um, I moved out to Baltimore. And by then, I pretty much wanted to be his girlfriend. I wanted to know God. And I wanted to like read the Bible uh, to be like his girlfriend. And so I purchased a Bible. I knew nothing about God you know, at this point. I grew up as a Buddhist, but even then, my family didn't really practice it, and so spirituality was not, like, a huge thing in my life, but I, I, I knew that I wanted, like, a redo in life because I was making a whole lot of bad choices, clearly, as you can tell. And so um, I didn't know any stories in the Bible, nothing. So one night, I get a text message and it was from, I, it start, I remember the numbers at zero, 01 and then like a bunch of numbers after that. And then all it said in it was 51 slash 51. And I thought it was like an error message from Verizon, so I ignored it. And about two minutes later, I got the same message again. And this was 2003. People weren't texting the way they do these days. Like I was texting one person in 2003, and it was this guy. So I messaged him, and I was like, hey, are you trying to send me something? Because it's like getting lost in the universe, apparently, and it's coming back to me in a weird way. And he said, no, I'm not sending you any messages. And so I thought, OK, uh, ignored it the second time. And then it came again a third time, like two minutes later. So um, I figured, OK, well, normal Christians would probably check the Bible, right? And so <laughs> I went to the Bible. And I, again, did not know anything, so I went cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, looking for a chapter 51, verse 51. And there, there's nothing, guys. There's no book that's that long that has that many verses in it. And so it was past midnight at this point. I thought this is kind of getting ridiculous. So I was about to go to bed, and something or someone with a capital S was like, why don't you check Psalm 51? And I was like, OK, I'll check Psalm 51. So I go to the heading, and it said, a Psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. 
And again, okay, I knew of the story of David and Goliath, but I thought that was like Greek mythology. So I did not know that this was like the same King David, right? I didn't know who Bathsheba was, but I did know the word adultery. And it was like blaring in my face. And so in that moment, right then, I was like, oh my goodness, there is really a God. And he has seen everything I've done. And I cannot say these things in a microphone that is being recorded on a podcast. But I could very much tell you if you ever asked. There was a lot of stuff. I remember Isaiah once asked me, because he did something really foolish. And then I said, Isaiah, don't feel bad. I'm sure your dad has done so many foolish things, too, as a boy. And so Sergio listed all these stupid boy things that they did. And then Isaiah goes, what did you do that was dumb? And I was like, ooh. I'll tell you, like, when you're a little older, maybe. But they were not, like, they were real. Just talk to your daughters about sex, okay, ladies? Um, so I knew at that point that I needed to read the rest of this psalm. And so I won't read the whole thing, but I'll read verses that really stuck out to me the first time I read it. Verse 1 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Open my lips, Lord, and I will... And my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice. I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, O God, will not despise. And so when I read that, I was like, well, that's, I was looking for a redo. And here God was saying, I'm giving you that chance. You take it or you leave it. And in that moment, I was fresh out of college. I had no money, but I was like, take it all. Take my $20 in my account. Take it all. I realized there was a God who I did not know, but he knew me. He knew everything about me. And he knew I didn't even pray to him because I didn't know to pray to him. But he knew what my heart was asking for. He knew what I needed before, like it says in Matthew 6, God knows what we need before we even ask him. And so I wish I would have kept that number because I could have texted God, like I could be texting him right now, right? (laughs) So stupid. So after hearing, so that's my short story of how I came to know the Lord. Um, Definitely not pretty parts in there, but... My, the person that I resonate most with in the New Testament is the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well who had five husbands. And there's so much that can be said about her story, but I want to jump to the end of her conversation with Jesus in John chapter 4, verse 28, when he says, the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, See a man who just told me everything that I ever did. Could this man be the Christ? So after just one encounter with Jesus, the Samaritan woman who was no no longer ashamed of what she had done. The the good news of the Messiah was finally here. They'd been waiting 2,000 years. And when she found out that it was him, I mean, it totally trumped all of her shame. 
and she went running into town. According to the Gospel of Matthew, this woman was the first woman that Jesus revealed himself to. And he chose this half-Jew who was rejected by Jews because she was mixed race and rejected by her own people. Thank you for grabbing tissue. Um, and rejected by her own people to spread the good news of his arrival. This woman who was hiding her shame by drawing water in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, instead of going in the morning with the other ladies because they probably all gossiped and made her feel really terrible. Oh, thanks. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I probably need the whole thing. Um, so she would go in the middle of the day by herself because there was so much shame. And after that one encounter, she went from hiding to shouting it in the rooftops. Come and see a man who just told me everything that I did. And it says in verse 39 later in that chapter, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Our stories are powerful not because of anything that we have to do with it, but because it shows God's power and his mercy in full display over our most shameful and seemingly unredemptive parts of our lives. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 through 15, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. He's saying he was the worst of them all, and God came and saved him. In Mark 5, Jesus healed a demon-possessed man, and then afterwards the man wanted to follow Jesus and go with him. And, and Jesus turned to him and said, go home to your own people. Tell them your story, what the master did and how he had mercy on you. The purpose of sharing our story is to testify of God's redemptive love for us in our absolute worst and how powerful his mercy is from taking us from a place of hiding to a place of shouting from the hilltop. And sometimes it might seem like our struggle is so minuscule compared to what's happening in the world. Like it's not a big deal. Why should I share it? It's not that significant. But when God rescues us and he lifts our head just above the water so that we can breathe, I can't help but think of how deep his affection is for us that he would equate our little struggle to world events like war and famine. Our stories can encourage others to see that there is no sin too great or no struggle too big for our to, to exchange with Christ what he did on the cross. It's for his glory that we tell our stories. So like he told that man, go and tell your story. And now Priscilla is going to show us how to do that. Thank you, Lisa. Wow, that was amazing. Um, 
I, I just have to say, I so appreciate that girl right there. And I'm going to get emotional. And I knew this was coming way before today. But um, she asked me last week, yeah, so what are you doing for Anchor and Applying? I'm like, well, my thoughts are coming together. And before I even told her what my plan was for today, she says, well, God has placed it on my heart to share my testimony. I've been thinking a lot about stories. This is the title that I already had written was Share Your Story. And so she offered again to tag team with me. And it truly moves me, really God moving in our lives. But Lisa actually taking that step and asking to um, share her story. So now you're my favorite. <laughs> um, sorry, Robin. <laughs> Robin's being so quiet, too, and I, but I'm going to get it later, I promise you. Um, but anyway, this has been um, something that's been on my mind for a while, is the fact of sharing our story and, and what kind of brought it to um, up here in my mind was um, not too long ago, my daughter, um, Shannon, also known as Shanny Pants, was doing an IG Live, which Instagram Live, where... I watch them later, but I was watching it later, and um, the, the, her followers, is it called? Yeah, followers could ask her questions, and one of the questions had to do with her parents, me being one of them, um, <clears throat> and she answered it totally wrong. <laughs> it's like <laughs> she was so far off. It was something about our youth, and she didn't know the story, and it really hit me what a failure I was in telling my story to my children. And so it's really had me thinking a lot about stories and how important they are. So I started um, kind of researching it a little bit more, like how to tell your story, how to write. I would love to write my story someday, not to publish, but just for myself and my family. But I really didn't an anticipate all that God would reveal to me in this journey. And I won't share it all today because we don't have time. Um, I have loved Psalm 71 for a while, and I always say, this is my testimony. And it goes like this. Oh, God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood. And I continually tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me. Oh, God, let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. Um, so we're going to go over a little bit um, the importance of a story, why we tell our story, and then some just practical tips on how we can tell our story. So sharing stories, when you reflect back on times long ago, you know, like when there were front porches that you would sit on. And you can picture this in your mind, I think. Um, some of you younger ones might have a harder time. But, um, you know, a front porch with grandma and grandpa and parents and children sitting around on a Sunday afternoon telling stories. 
And so kids would grow up hearing stories of the family. They didn't have really a lot of other things to do. So they would share stories um, about their life, about hardships, about maybe sufferings that they had experienced, also joys and probably bursts of laughter. I mean, you can just picture that happening. So these children grew up having a sense of um, a bigger family, having a sense of, where's my notes? Um, belonging and connection by hearing these stories. Today, we have modern technology. Yay, right? <laughs> Keeps us so connected. Uh, we, we can stream and Google wherever, whatever, whenever. Um, so many distractions that really keep us from stopping and meditating and reflecting on our own stories, which then helps us to see what God has done in our life. And we don't do that with each other because we're so busy, um, you know, checking out the latest, you know. So it, it, it is a huge distraction, right? <clears throat> I um, found a research, and it was done by a Bruce Feeler. He wrote an article in the New York Times titled, The Stories That Bind Us. And his article told of two psychologists that did a research in the mid-1990s and found that a rich family narrative helps build resilience in children. They uh, conducted this research by asking children 20 questions. I think it's called uh, Do You Know? It was the Do You Know scale. And the examples of the questions would be like, do you know where your grandparents grew up? Do you know where your mom and dad went to high school? Do you know where your parents met? All questions that the child would not know just from li living in the home, they would have had to hear the story of these things. And they found in this research that the children with... Um, that had heard or knew about the family's stories grew up with more control over their lives, more self-esteem, and um, just successfully believed that their families just functioned better. They knew they belonged to something bigger. Um, it, part of the article even talked about when then they hit a bump in the road, they could reflect back over an aunt or an uncle that maybe had experienced suffering or a hard time, and it would help them through that time. So, you know, it just makes sense to think of that. And then this concept now has really extended um, beyond families. We see it a lot in um, successful teams. If you watch, like, the Olympics, I watch it for all the stories, you know. I watch football for the stories. My husband leaves during the commercials, and I listen to all the stories and the commentators. But um, so we're all drawn in to stories. Stories are powerful. We actually crave stories, and they move us, and they impact us in a great way. Researchers, other researchers, have found that when we tell stories, um, and when we listen to stories, our brains actually come alive. Our brains register with the storyteller's experience as if it's our own experience. It connects us. So we find links in connection with that person that is telling the story. <clears throat> it helps us to empathize with one another. 
Um, we put ourselves in somebody else's world when we're listening to a story. <clears throat> and it can bond us to that person in a friendship or some type of a relationship. And our brains are wired for that, which is just crazy stuff. Through the telling of our stories, we're wired to learn, to remember, and then propelled to act. Now, the most important thing is God is the master storyteller. And as his image bearers, we are also storytellers. We each have a story. So this brings me to point number two, which is why tell your story. Psalm 66, 16 says, Come and listen, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. Everything in our life as believers, if we have accepted Christ and he is doing life with us or we're doing life with him, everything in our life becomes an opportunity to worship him, honor him, and to glorify him. The life-changing power of our story is in the gospel. We're living, breathing stories of the power of God and what he can do in our lives. <clears throat> the gospel has made each one of us a treasured possession, called out of the darkness and into the light to proclaim his excellence. Our stories are the power of the testimony of the gospel at work in our lives, our journey of transformation. Throughout the Bible, I mean, we've been reading in Genesis actually stories, and I'm not going to get into those, because, but they are fresh in our mind, right, the stories we've been reading. But throughout the Bible, we find God, the master storyteller, inviting his people to remember their history, their stories, as reminders of his love and his power. He, he encourages them in their walk and to warn them against sin and idolatry by reminding them of their stories. These stories were passed down from generation to generation. <clears throat> In Psalm 78, we read, Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying. For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from your past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children so each generation should set its hope anew on God. That's that story that we can pass down to our children. We read in De Deuteronomy of the Lord telling the Israelites when they were wandering in the wilderness after being rescued um, from Egypt, to be careful to remember all the Lord had done for them. Wonder why he told them that. Because we are a forgetful people. And just as the children of Israel, we forget. And when we forget, 
we complain. And we look at our lives and think, it's not fair. Um, we have pity parties and build up a resentment towards God and even others. Forgetting the works of God in our lives can make us feel entitled as if we deserve his mercy and his grace. So it's through reflecting on and remembering and writing down and sharing our stories that we are reminded of the wonderful deeds God has done. For me, it's inspired gratitude and a desire to tell others <clears throat> my story. <clears throat> Sharing our story stirs our awe of God. So we've learned that the act of telling stories um, connects us with others in uh, acceptance and empathy, mutual respect and understanding. In sharing with each other, we are known. And in feeling known, we are released from the fear and isolation that the enemy wants to hold us in. Writing our stories can help us better understand ourselves. We can learn about who we are by reflecting on our stories. If we're um, processing through a difficult parts of our lives, we can see our life anew in the light of the gospel as we will write it down and reflect on it. <clears throat> but how can we tell our stories if we never pause from our hectic and rushed days? How can we tell our stories if we don't reflect and examine our history? We have so many distractions, as we talked about earlier today, to keep us from sitting in the quiet and really contemplating our lives. Many times we might use all the distractions to keep us from reflecting on our story because it's too painful. Or to focus on our past or what struggles we're going through right now because we can't deal with it. Often in therapy, we use writing or journaling, um, reflecting on the past as a means to help with the healing process of past hurts. So as you explore your story, if you choose to, it will certainly bring up emotions. We saw that in Lisa, even her sharing her short story this morning. It will stir up emotions, memories, patterns of thought and behaviors that you thought maybe you had overcome. <clears throat> you might even feel discouraged. Facing hurt, hurt from the past can also be triggering. So I'm not making light of the fact that this might be a painful exercise for some. However, I do want to encourage you to make take a little trip down memory lane. Um, looking for God's hand in your life because you will see it there and you may only be able to go to yesterday and no further. There is a story in yesterday. You will see God's hand. <clears throat> Lean into that story. Experience a deeper understanding of God and his steadfast love and his faithfulness. You may see new ways to renew your mind and open up your, the areas of healing and hope. 
In Psalm 77, we have a great example of a person in deep trouble and, and distress. But he's reminded of the goodness in his life, the goodness of God in his life. I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. I'm going to paraphrase part of this, so bear with me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long, I prayed with hands lifted towards heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I'm too distressed to even pray. I think of the good old days long since ended when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. But then, then I recall, all you have done, O oh Lord, I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. O oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. Okay, so now we're going to switch on that note. How to share your story. On the way to Rome, Paul has the opportunity to stand before six different crowds. He shares his story each time. He doesn't preach or argue. He just shares his personal experience. He is truthful about being overwhelmed and having feelings of despair. And by the way, these feelings of being overwhelmed and having feelings of despair were after his conversion. Um, they were not what he was talking about before. Um, so what can we learn from Paul's testimony? You, I'm not going to spend the time today to read it, but it, it, I would really encourage you to read Acts 22 and Acts 26. Um, <clears throat> it's just a really good um, picture of these times that Paul shared his story. And he started, he described his life before his conversion to God. So he provided details of his misguided uh, religious zeal. He sought out, persecuted, and arrested imprisoned followers of Jesus. His action led to the death of Christians. So he was right up front in, in things that happened before his conversion. So we don't have to be afraid, just as Lisa so bravely and vulnerably shared today. We don't have to be afraid to share um, the things in our life that maybe still can cause us shame. Um, Paul's testimony highlights that religious people can be far from God. <clears throat> Second, Paul recounted his life, his life-changing encounter with the re risen Jesus. So he 
uh, describes this purpo purposeful journey to persecute believers on that journey, Paul encountered the risen Jesus, and he goes into that in more detail. And then third, Paul communicates his new life purpose after encountering the risen Jesus, and that was immediately after encountering Jesus, Paul began to share the gospel. In Acts 26, 22, after sharing his story at one of these events, Paul concludes, but God has protected me right up to this present time so I can testify to everyone from the least to the greatest. And of course, we are fortunate enough to live in the day where we can read a lot of um, Paul's writings and um, learn from him. So now we're going to switch to just some practical tips um, that I've found on this journey of writing my story. And maybe they will help you and maybe they will inspire you to do the same. So I'm going to start with just uh, write your story because this is something I read um, about actually writing out your story as if you want to hand it down to your family. And I just thought this was such a good tip not to share. So um, it was, this is the um, uh, exercise that they give is if you have the time and you want to write a detailed story, this would be more than like a testimony or like what something Lisa shared today, but really like your life story. Get a notebook and number from one to a hundred. And when you have 20 to 30 minutes of uninterrupted time, just write memories down as fast as you can. Um, not really thinking through them, but just as things come to mind. And you can even use different emotions or feelings to uh, help um, remind you of different memories that you have. And then after you get those all together, if you're still on for it, then you can or organize them and start, start writing your story. That's all I have for you on that one, okay? But now really getting down to the story outline um, of how to really share our story with each other. Um, start with the before, as Paul did. You know, what was your life before you followed Jesus? I feel like Lisa did such a great job, and she didn't see my nose, but she did such a, a great job modeling this exact thing that we're going over right now. So you start with the before. What was your life like before you followed Jesus? Kind of a snapshot of your upbringing, uh, your family life, personal struggles. And then explain the how. How did you become a follower of Jesus? Was it like a memorable uh, decision or more gradual? Who or what brought you to that place? And I think you all have a paper, so you can take that home. Explain the now. How is your life different as a result? Explain a bit of the transformation. And then how is God using you as a result of his spirit living within you? And that's just a little bit of a model of um, Paul's testimony that we read. Um, so things to remember as you're doing this. We are not the hero of the story. We can definitely share our story in our life, and we want to do that. But remembering that God is the master of this story. <clears throat> it's not about comparing our stories to others. Ugh, we live in that way, that age, right, where there's so much comparison. It is not that. 
It's to praise God and glorify God with our story. <clears throat> Your story does not have to be victorious right now. So you might be struggling with something right now. Um, we are being transformed. We continue. We live in a broken world where we're going to go through things. We're going to struggle with things. We can still share our story. You do not have to have a radical life of sin and wrongdoing to have a story. I was just talking to somebody about that this week, um, and they felt they didn't have a story because it wasn't like, you know, this big uh, conversion story. And um, I asked, have you suffered? Have you dealt with anxiety? Maybe you've been self-righteous or judgmental. You know, I write the things down that I struggle with. So you, you might fill that in with something else. But no matter what our story is, we do struggle with things in this life. And it is as God comes in and um, walks with us in this, shows us, um, heals us, redeems us for attitudes that we have, that we have a story. So we are all human. We all live in, a, in the sin-cursed world. We all need a Savior, and that's our story. So my challenge, and I don't have a slide for that, I don't think, but my challenge for you is between now and April 28th, which is our last day of nurture, you have five weeks, which that's like a lifetime. You know, I'm giving you guys a way head start, okay? And I see people exiting the room. No, just kidding. Um, <clears throat> but you have five weeks, and I'd like to invite you to write and practice sharing your story. Now, this will be not your life story. We don't have time for that. I wish we did, because that's one of my favorite things is listening to people's story. But a five-minute story. So you have five weeks to write your life story and then shorten it down to five minutes, okay? Um, and then on April 28th, we're going to share our stories. Now, I am going to give you guys a break. You come to me and tell me if you're going to take that challenge. I'm not going to put that on everybody, assuming that everybody's going to want to pick up this challenge and run with it. So it's now on you. Please come to me and tell me that you want to do this challenge, and then um, I will add you to the list. So this is so doable. Five minutes, you guys. Five minutes. So doable. And <clears throat> we're, we always leave that last day as a celebration, you know, a celebration of what God has done in our year of nurture together as women. So if nothing else, you, I'm sure, have something to share from that, okay? So I'm not letting you get out of this, but... Um, and this I don't have on the paper that I passed out, but this might be helpful for some of you that feel like you don't have a, a story, and so you can just jot this down. A kind of a, a sample five-minute story would look like growing up, dot, dot, dot. My life was dot, dot, dot. Then I heard, and now. So those are just some little uh, prompts there that might help keep it in the five-minute or help your big story to be shrunk down to um, five minutes. And... Um, and in case in your mind you're like, 
no, I'm not going to do that. Well, God has told me otherwise. Okay? So Psalms 145 um, says, Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share their story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. So there's the guilt trip. Psalms 145, okay? Um, but no, I mean, seriously, when we reflect back over what we first talked, even about Lisa, and I know I'm gone a little bit over, so I'll wrap it up, but... Um, it is a connection for all of us, and we all do want to be connected with one another. And so I really, really encourage you and invite you into doing that because it is a way for us to connect um, with each other. So let me go ahead and, and pray and close us out this time here. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we do thank you so much that you are the God of wonders, and it can stir our awe of you when we reflect on what you have done in our lives, the red seas in our lives that you have parted the ocean and let us walk across. We all have those stories, Lord. So I just ask as the ladies um, contemplate taking up this challenge that you'll meet them there, Lord, and that you'll guide them through maybe some hard things, but that you'll open their eyes to your um, healing and your hope. Um, I just pray that this can be used in each of our lives, that as we hear other stories, we're moved and inspired to glorify you more with our words. We thank you for giving us your son to die for us, to be buried, and to raise again um, the best story ever. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.